I'm Andrew Young with Young Ranch in Coleman, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas ag culture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the midterms are behind us and it looks like the Texas legislature is solidly red heading into the new session in just a few weeks. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With supplies of feeder cattle getting tighter and tighter, so are the margins for Texas High Plains feed yards. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Beef pasture to plate tours for chefs and culinary professionals. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more about the Texas Beef Council's Beef Loving Chefs Program on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas continues a moderate cool down. Valley irrigation districts are starting to cut back on irrigation water. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. With the next Texas legislative session just a few weeks away, it seems Republicans sit firmly in control after the recent elections. That's according to Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director of Government Affairs, Billy Howe. Absolutely, particularly in the Texas House. There is one Senate district in the in the Valley, South Texas, where Republicans were trying to pick up seats, and that's uh, Senate District 27. But again, even in that district, President Biden won that district with 51.7% of the vote two years ago. And so we knew that it was going to be competitive, but it definitely leaned Democrat. So the result there is kind of what we thought it was going to be, which is a close race. But that really won't change the dynamic in the Senate, depending on what happens there. And House says agriculture is in a very good position for the upcoming session. I think uh, agriculture is in great shape heading into the session. Uh, the, the, the important thing is that the legislators that we rely upon to carry legislation for agriculture, to fight against bad legislation that would hurt agriculture, they all came through their campaigns and were successful, and they're going to be there again. But rural Texas continues to slowly lose clout in Austin. House says three rural seats were lost in this election due to redistricting. The latest USDA report last week estimated the Texas cotton crop at 3.3 million bales, which would be the smallest Texas crop in over 40 years. 
but even that number may be too high. Southern Plains cotton grower Brad Heffington says there's practically no cotton left in what has traditionally been known as the world's largest cotton patch. You know, the compress is in Lubbock is last forecast was over 500,000 bales and last year they were over 2 million, 2.4 in a year that wasn't great. And it, it's unreal how little cotton there is here. And and there's still cotton being insurance out every day now because people around me that had irrigated thought it was going to make something, they get out there. and I mean, there's some drip fields that are okay. There's a spot in Hell County that's pretty good in East Western Floyd. But other than that, you drive and you just don't see any cotton except right around Slayton or east side of Lubbock. And then everywhere else, it's just a patch here and there. It's, it's, I've never seen anything like it. And, and we've, we've got quite a bit of harvest cotton to harvest that we kept, but it's 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 turning out to look, I mean, it's pretty poor. Like I say, I think my son had another thousand acres suggested last week that we thought would make three quarters of bale, and then after that rain, it threw everything off, and there's nothing on it but squares and blooms. Heffington thinks the estimated size of the Texas crop is going to come down once final harvest results are in. Supplies of feeder cattle are getting tighter, and James Hunt tells us that's cutting into feedlot profits. In recent days, the cash market for fed cattle has been around $1.50 a pound in our area, about $5 higher than a month ago. Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says at this price level, local feed yards are operating around the break-even mark or maybe even making some profit when you analyze things purely on a cash market basis. But Miller says looking at where things are headed in the months to come, profitability looks to be a challenge for area feed yards as feeder cattle supplies get tighter and tighter because there's been a lot of culling going on nationwide. If you look at year-to-date harvest numbers over year-to-date the same time period for 21, we are on track to harvest about 372,000 more cows this year, year-to-date, than we did over the same time period in 21. If you look all the way back to 2020, we're running about 622,000 more cows harvested for the same time period. Of course, massive culling is a reflection of what drought has imposed on ranchers. The cow-calf operators have gone from culling just cows that are 10 years or old or, or lost a calf or something like that. They've actually dove into culling good cows just because they didn't have groceries to feed those animals. And so with all that being said, it is putting pressure on the ability to be able to come back and sell an animal coming out of the feed yard today and to replace that animal with a new calf coming into the feed yard for the feeding period. And Miller says beyond the feeder cattle situation, feed yards are still confronted by high corn cost and overall inflation. More from Brady Miller tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas culinary chefs are learning more about the beef industry. Tom Nicoletti tells how. My guest again today is Chef Robert Hale with the Texas Beef Council. Chef Hale is the manager of culinary and food service. The beef-loving chefs program is under his direction as approximately 3,000 chefs and culinary professionals communicate their messages and learn more about preparing beef 
for consumers' plates. Some great conversations happened in that group. And, and within that, it's really grown out to being able to do lots of live events together and, and education sessions from our beef pasture to plate tours, where we're able to go up to West Texas A&M two or three times a year, 20 chefs at a time, and you know, and really show them the industry, take them behind the scenes a little bit, spend a couple of days at academia and at West Texas A&M, and then getting them out into a processing plant and taking them out into a feedlot and really showing them the great industry that we have and the people that we have out there. So this group really has grown strong. Lots of advocates out there for us now. Within this group, we've been able to build a, a really large database, almost 3,000 folks right now um, in this database that we're able to get information to and, and invite them to programs like we have across the state. So lots of lots of video content that we do social media-wise. You know, the chefs are on there. They're on social media. So we go there to where they're at. But then a lot of it also is just through that network. When education opportunities come up, we have a really great avenue now to, to be able to reach out to folks to where we're not uh, stretching ourselves trying to find people to come do things. There's usually a pretty big waiting list now to do our tours or any of our education pieces that we do have. A great thing to have is that database. You know, that also uh, allows us to be able to find those folks, to be able to educate those folks and, and for them to be able to get with us and have a direct access to us, I think is pretty important. That is Chef Robert Hale with the Texas Beef Council. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas continues to cool down while water districts there are cutting back on irrigation water. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Valley weather continues to cool down as we head further into the fall season. The valley has had a few cold fronts that have come through, but They've not had any rain. Now, because we missed out on the usual summer rains, that means little or no water allotments have been going to the water districts. Many valley farmers are starting to see little or no water left for irrigation. Well, citrus and sugarcane are being harvested, but the potential for large losses of citrus basically dropping off the tree is starting to loom. Now, citrus gets soft when it's uh, starved for water, and we're seeing that at the present time. Sugar cane looks good as we start the harvest, but later varieties are still going to need more water to finish that crop off. Well, currently, Lake Amistad, about 46% full, which has shown a slow but steady increase over, say, the last three months, but it's still five feet below last year. Now, at Falcon Reservoir, we're still, about three months ago, we were at 9%. We built back up to 15% full, still five feet below last year. We have a lot of room for water still at Falcon Reservoir. Most of the South Texas area is again in a drought situation. That means burn bans have been posted again, and they'll probably continue for at least the next 90 days. Well, let's hope that November and December, the cold fronts will produce not only colder temperatures, but that'll help color the fruit, but give us some much-needed rainfall. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. The first half of dove hunting season in Texas is officially over. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have comments from the Texas Dove Hunters Association on how they think this first half went, coming up on Texas Ag Today. And laminitis is a severe foot disease in horses, but can it affect donkeys? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Support comes from the Texas Tribune, 
a nonprofit news organization hosting a multi-day complimentary event exploring the future of rural Texas, discussing what's next for education, broadband connection, health care, the rural economy, and more, November 17th through the 18th in Lubbock, on Texas Tech University's campus and streaming live online. More at texastribune.org slash events. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Laminitis is a severe foot disease in horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says it can also affect donkeys. Although some veterinarians do not believe donkeys can develop laminitis, I believe that they can and do develop the syndrome. However, most horses develop laminitis because they are overweight and eat a diet high in carbohydrates. Dr. Nicola Menzies-Gow from the Royal Veterinary College in England indicates in the horse publication that donkeys which develop laminitis are younger than horses, and those affected are not always overweight, eating too many carbohydrates, or have other health problems. The researchers found that nearly 50% of the donkeys studied developed at least one episode of laminitis compared to 34% of horses and ponies. 40% of the donkeys had at least one recurring episode, and most of the donkeys had chronic rather than acute laminitis. Laminitis involves inflammation in the structures of the hoof wall that hold the bone in place, and inflammation of the laminae is extremely painful. Cushing's disease in donkeys can contribute to the development of laminitis as it can in horses. While most horses develop the disease in the spring due to ingesting spring grass, Most cases in England in donkeys occurred in the winter from October to February when the animals were coming off pasture and into stalls. It is believed laminitis may be related to the environment of walking on concrete in a barn and the lameness may simply be more noticeable on concrete versus out on the pasture. Regardless, laminitis may develop in donkeys with and without the usual predisposing factors as noted in horses. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The first half of dove season is officially over. Jessica Domel takes a look at how that first half went in today's wildlife report. The drought and other factors made the first part of dove hunting season a bit hit or miss for Texas hunters. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the Texas Dove Hunters Association, joins us with more. Weather-wise, we went through a major drought that affected our commercial grain crops considerably. So the birds really didn't have a lot of reason to move simply from the standpoint that they were north and they were south and they didn't have any reason to come to the middle. They didn't have the grain or the water to bring them. So we were expecting really irrigated crops to do really well. Sure enough, as luck would have it, the end of August, range came. So the opening weekend where people were betting on the irrigated field, they had decent success. But as the days went on and we got into the second week, even those fields weren't doing quite as well because of hunting pressure. It's been a crazy year. The birds that you would normally find in certain areas were there, but not in big numbers. The white wing were probably limited the most. They're not as hardy a bird as the morning dove, and the morning dove did really well in native crop areas, wherever you find native sunflower, croton, pigweed, things like that. They were doing well, but the outfitters that bank on the white wing with whatever 
grain crop they may be planting, usually it's a black oil sunflower. They seem to have struggled this year in early goings. That was Bobby Thornton from the Texas Dove Hunters Association. The first half of dove hunting season in the north zone ended Sunday. It ended in the central and south zones at the end of October. Dove hunting season for all zones reopens December 17th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw another mixed trade in the cattle complex on Tuesday, but the cotton market was sharply higher. We'll take a look back at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle traded mixed on Tuesday, but feeder cattle dropped sharply lower. December live cattle down 30 cents to close at 151.27. February up 50, 153.05, while April was up 30, 156.72. Feeders, however, feeling the pressure from a rally in the corn market. We dropped lower, in fact, triple digit losses across the board on feeders. November feeder cattle down $1.27, 175.67. January down 242 at 177.02, while March feeder cattle dropped $1.97, 179.80. Cash fed cattle market still quiet this week. Asking prices here in the South reported at 151 to 152. Boxed beef prices mixed Tuesday. Choice was up $1.39 at 259.37. Select down 36 cents, 232.85. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Kenny Mingus is from Milam County Livestock Auction Cameron. They sell them over Friday. They're on the Little River. Kenny, how did this last Friday sale turn out? Well, the rain held off just in time to get them for them to get them to us, and we had a good run. We had a total of nineteen ninety-three. Out of that mix, three hundred twenty-five cows, about fifteen twenty bulls. Walk the pins. All right, with steers under three hundred, one thirty-one to two twenty-five. Three to four hundred pound steers, one seventeen to two two eight. Four to five hundred pound steers, a dollar to two seventeen fifty, and over five hundred eighty to a dollar ninety. On the heifers under three hundred, one ten to one seventy-five. Three to four hundred pound heifers, a dollar to one ninety. Four to five hundred pound heifers, ninety to one eighty-four, and over five hundred. 70 to 166. Packer cows, they stuck in a rut. Still about the same from 20 to 76. Packer bulls steady from 60 to 97 and a half. On the bread cows, 270 to 1350. And on your pairs, three and a quarter to 1325. What did you count? 1993. 1993. Now, will we yep. have a sale this Friday or not? Yep, one more. We got a sale this Friday. We will not have a sale the Friday after Thanksgiving. We'll come back and have three more before Christmas and that'll wrap it up for us. Now, Kenny, I know you got some rain, some of your country caught even more and i know you caught a frost how's that going to affect 
this week's sale. I do have a few strings of cattle lined up to come. I don't know if it'll be quite that big, which it could be, but, uh, you know, I think that this market, people go to hearing about it. had a lot of compliments on it Friday, and, and people go to hearing about it. They're probably going to go to getting the rest of them or whatever they have ready at this time, you know, I would think. And then some people look go wait till after after Thanksgiving and sell them, you know, in those three-week period there. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, King Mingus. You bet. Catch us at the office at Monday through Wednesday at 254-697-6697. Follow us on our webpage at MilamCountyLivestockAuction.com or catch us on Facebook. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now, where lean hogs finished higher on Tuesday. December hogs up 45 cents, 85.32. February hogs up $1.10 at 90.07. Class 3 milk was steady to higher. Nearby November unchanged at 20.99 a hundredweight. December milk up a penny at 21.79 a hundred. Big rally in the cotton market on Tuesday. News of an improved producer price index number and a weaker dollar, both helping to rally cotton prices. We hit limit up at one point in the session. We backed off of that a bit, however, before the close. We closed with December cotton up 346 points, 88.74. March cotton up 335 at 86.97. December 23 cotton up 184 points at 78.90 cents. The corn market rallying later in the session on news of a sale of corn to Mexico. Corn exports have been very weak here lately, so any news of a new sale really helps the market. December corn up nine and a half, six sixty-six and three quarters. March corn up ten cents, six sixty-nine and a quarter. The wheat market rallying also on more news out of the Russia-Ukraine war. Apparently, a Russian missile hit a grain dryer in Poland. Poland is a NATO member, so that got things all riled up in that part of the world, and the wheat market reacted positively to that. December Kansas City wheat up six and three quarters, nine sixty-three a bushel. December Chicago wheat up nine and three quarters at eight twenty-eight and a quarter. In the energy markets, December natural gas up twenty cents at six thirteen. December crude oil up eighty-one cents, eighty-six sixty-eight a barrel. The financial markets were higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 125 points at 33,662. The Nasdaq up 204, 11,400. And the S&P up 44 points at 4,002. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.